0: Hi, everyone. I'm Anita Lustria, and for many years, I did live radio. Then I transitioned to the podcast world where I feel I found my home. I love talking about spiritual formation, justice issues, and spiritual practices. Throw in the Enneagram, movies, and current events from time to time, and that's what you get on the podcast. I'm glad you've come along for the ride. Welcome to Faith Conversations. Welcome to Faith Conversations, everyone. Uh, Today, uh, I get to be reacquainted with an old friend. And um, wow, uh, Mark Scandrett and I, we go back a few years. We uh, did a variety of programs when I was uh, with Moody Radio, and he's been on the podcast once before, and now I'm happy to have him here on the podcast again. And today, we get to talk about his book, The Ninefold Path of Jesus. Hidden wisdom of the Beatitudes, but uh, before we dive into that, let me give. Uh, well, no, I'm going to say hi to Mark and say, Mark, how would you introduce yourself? I'm not going to read some failed uh. bio. What What would you say? You're. I'll say this to people. You are in uh, still living in San Francisco, California, and and what makes up. Um, takes up the majority of your time these days.
1: Yeah. So I'm really passionate about helping people apply the teachings of Christ to the messy details of everyday life. And I, I teach on spiritual formation and I lead retreats and workshops and labs around the world.
0: Oh, love um, that.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and I got to say, Anita, you're, you're a pro at what you do. And like, you're, you're, you're just the best at this whole huh. interview thing. So <laughs> it's a joy to get to talk with you.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate that uh, lovely compliment. Um, I, you know what it is? I like a good conversation. And um, you're a good conversationalist, you're a great writer, and you're a really, really good conversationalist as well. And so um, if I can get into a good conversation with someone and stick a microphone in the middle between the two of us, then it's a good day. So yeah, here we are doing that today. Uh, listen, I, you know, you're focusing in on the Beatitudes uh, in this book. And But what an interesting title, number one, The Ninefold Path of Jesus. As soon as I saw that, I thought, sounds like Eastern, you know, some kind of Eastern kind of title to this book. And then I start reading the introduction and talk about how this book came to be. And I think that might be a good place for us to start.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, I think first it's worth noting that jesus comes from the east not from the west and it wasn't till after the events of his life that that his way was brought into the west and so we associate it with um kind of mental ascent to certain beliefs like a you know a a mind-based spiritual path Uh, but he was really from the east and and um so uh, in 2015, I got invited into a project around the Beatitudes called Nine Beats and um, what, with some friends uh, in London. And when they asked me to be a part of it, they said, Mark, you're you're great at helping people go from scripture to application. And yes. so we would li- love you to partner with us to help us do that with the Beatitudes. And I said, great, I'm in. <laughs> um, and then I said, but here's what it makes me think of. And I, th- I told them about an experience I'd had years before where after my first book came out, a Zen priest contacted me and said, I had a Jesus experience as a young person, but I had some toxic church experiences. And it, made, it turned me off so much that I looked to Judaism and Buddhism more for the, my spirit, to fulfill my spiritual mm-hmm. longings. Uh, but he said, when I sit Zazen, you know, in meditation, sometimes I hear Jesus calling to me and I don't know what to do with that. Mm. So you seem like the kind of Christian who'd be open to talking with me about this. So I invited him over and it was the beginning of a really rich friendship that continues to this day. But the second time we got together, we went for a walk around my neighborhood and instantly, if you want to get a lot of people smiling at you, take a, take a, a Buddhist priest to a, a walk, on a walk. Cause everyone smile, at least where I live, everyone smiles and bows and, uh, you know, it's like walking around with a celebrity. So he, I, I said, I turned to him and I said, Shinko, I'm really not that familiar with faith traditions outside my own so maybe you can help me understand when you wake up each day as someone who's a zen buddhist when you wake up each day what do you seek to do and to be and in about 4 minutes he said here's the four noble truths and here's the eightfold path when i wake up in the morning i want to deepen my experience of of these these paths right livelihood right motive etc and I, first of all, I thought it was brilliant that he could describe what he and what his intentions were with such mm-hmm. specificity. Then he turns to me and he says, "Mark, you identify as a follower of Jesus. When you wake up each day, what do you seek to do and be?"
0: Which, what and a great I, question! Number one. Yeah.
1: But- and I came up with the question but when he asked me I was sort of stumped. So so I was so I was, first I was like, "Oh, this is my chance to share my testimony about how I came to faith." And then I was like, "That wasn't the question."
0: Right.
1: Um so uh, so then I recovered a bit and I said, "Well, I wake up each day and I want to love God with my heart, soul, mind and strength and, and love my neighbor as myself." And I sort of patted myself on the back like <laughs> good good answer Mark. But His answer was very specific, and and you could imagine how you would do something with it. Mine was, I think, accurate, but 30,000 feet.
0: Exactly. So
1: it haunted me, Mm. and I was like, I think in the kind of Christian experience I grew up with, I'd learned to pay the most attention to the fact that Jesus was born, and he died, and he came back to life, and that that made something new for us, but I hadn't learned as much attention to what he actually taught about life.
0: But I I think there's this other point too, Mark, that your mind first went to, you know, oh, maybe this is the place where I share my faith story, my, you know, where, how I came to faith in Christ story. And I think that there are a ton of people that can share that story, but that's all they can share. they, They don't have some kind of a daily conversion or, you know. Um, right. that that experience of growth and what's god doing in your life today. So I love that yeah that it kind of haunted you back then and and so I'll let you continue the story.
1: <laughs> I'm going to be speaking at the Christian um businessmen's association here in San Francisco
0: next Interesting. week. And okay. they
1: said they said come and share your testimony, Mark. And I was like what what would be most helpful? And they're like what your life was like before Christ and what your life was like after Christ, hmm. and I'm thinking, I I prayed to receive Christ when I was three years old.
0: <laughs> you were just a you were you were an act murderer too, right? <laughs> yeah, right.
1: So and the thing is, I feel the most guilt and shame about all happened after I became a Christian. So.
0: And, and I think we need some re-education because yeah. it's like, excuse you know, what, what uh, uh, I love, um, you know, uh, the story of the blind man, uh, um, the, the one the specific blind man where it ends, um, you know, uh, where he's talking about Jesus. I don't know. I don't know who this guy is, but what I do know is I once was blind, but now I see yeah I like to fill in those blanks. Yeah. I once was blank, but now I'm blank. And you know you can fill that in all kinds of ways depending on the season yeah. and, and of life and and growth path etc. and i feel like that's w- what you're doing you're you're taking us down this wonderful growth path here in this
1: book so so i want i want i want to have a an understanding of what it means to follow the way of jesus that isn't just the bumper sticker yes but what how would we describe what it looks like to have a have a life that looks like Jesus. And, um, you know, as a young person, I spent a lot of time with Dallas Willard and he Uh would often say the Sermon on the Mount is like the curriculum for Christ's likeness. If you want to know how to follow Jesus, it's in Matthew five to seven, and it starts with the Beatitudes. And so I, uh, with this book, I'm using the Beatitudes basically to introduce the main themes of what it means to live life, to see the world, and live in the reality that Jesus lived in, and there's, there's, I think there's nine areas of the human condition or um, that that the Sermon on the Mount speaks to, and that if we can learn to pay attention to those things, we it might enliven our imagination and help us develop daily practices that really do help us to live like. Christ
0: did. I love that. And I think, I think one of the things that I am drawn to, uh, I was a young girl, maybe five, six, when my grandmother had me memorize the Beatitudes. Mm. But I didn't, and even later in life, I still would kind of struggle to grasp um, meaning, you know, blessed are, which is what we read in most many translations, not all. But I love how you have reformed the wording and you know the way of trust, the way of lament, the way of humility. I read this and I go, oh, oh, that I can understand that. Yeah. So I, I really love that. And and it really was it your friend, the the Zen. Uh, friend that that got you thinking in those that wording too. Yeah, I was of... like,
1: if Jesus had a way, how would I describe that way using those nine phrases of the Beatitudes So mm-hmm. Jesus says blessed are the are the poor. How could the poor possibly be blessed? you're, you're blessed if you understand you don't you, you don't have what you need on your own but we are all connected to the source of life. And that if we could learn to open our hands and live in trust, we would, um, we'd get to be part of that economy of God's abundance and love. Um, you know, Jesus said, second, beatitude: blessed are those who mourn. So, um, so that that's a way of lament, you know, to, to, to grieve with God about what's broken us and what's broken in our world. And that, that, that the way to deeper comfort is through the brokenness and through the sadness, not by avoiding it any longer,
0: which, uh, if we're looking at our world today, you know, you and I, as this, as we're recording this podcast and as people are hearing it are still in the midst of a, of a global pandemic Mm. and have been living through, um, you know, in the last, I won't even put how many years on it, but um, la- the last number of years have also been living um, in a space of racial unrest where there have been some specific scenarios yeah. that have caught the the heart and action, yeah. of, at least here in the United States and North America mm-hmm. anyway. Um, but there, there is, I just feel like there is so much to lament. And the thing is there probably indeed has been for a long time, but we have not faced into that. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah. When, um, when we, you know, I, I, my favorite thing is to go through the the ninefold path, this book with groups. So I've been doing it now for four or five years. um, cause the book is built on a curriculum that I developed previously. Oh, and,
0: nice. um,
1: so, so if, if somebody wants to go through the book, there's a, a really great study guide called the ninefold path that's so, available. At- so
0: let me ask where, yeah. Tell me where that's available. Yeah. I'll put that. So in you can the show get notes. that at
1: ninefoldpath.org.
0: Ninefoldpath.org. And, and I'll make sure yeah. that's in the show notes. Is that the number nine or spelled out nine?
1: It's spelled out. Thank Ninefold you. All right. Okay. And um, so when we go through, we spend 10 10 weeks and we go through each of the beatitudes and we talk about how they relate to things in our lives and in our world. And when we get to the second beatitude, uh, I, it's the one that surprises most people. In Jesus' great sermon, the second thing he says is, Blessed are those who mourn. Like he wouldn't make it as a uh, lifestyle guru. (laughs) Not today. (laughs) So, so, um, so something that I worked with, with all the Beatrice, but I'll use this one as an example is, is we have some, um, we have what I would call distorted thoughts about who God is, who we are and how life works. And some of them are like, I would call them first instincts, like, um, When you feel like you don't have enough or you're not enough, the first instinct is to close your hands and live in anxiety and striving. So that's why that first beatitude points us towards open-handed trust. And then with the second one, when we encounter the brokenness or sadness of life, our first instinct is to turn away from it, to numb out, to try and escape it. And, uh, I know I've become an expert at this, especially during COVID, like, you know, the disruption of life and, um, hopefully in 2022, I can like, you know, decrease my salty and sugary snacks and my (laughs) Netflix, uh, hours
0: (laughs) because I've been
1: avoiding and I've been avoiding and numbing out. Right. Totally. um, So that's our first, that's our first instinct is to numb out from what's too hard. What we find too hard to face. Well,
0: can can I, or maybe you're about to say this? I, w- what you're describing um, are actual, actual physical postures. You know, you yeah. use the word. You talk about the nine postures for life, but in the book, I mean, I'm looking at this. You have actual pictures, sketches of yeah these physical postures that people can take up that that correlate to each of the ninefold paths. Yeah. And I think that's so cool. I like that a well,
1: lot. Well, cuz because we're embodied beings, yeah. uh when I started teaching on this, I found if I asked people to hold their body in a certain posture, they could kind of get in touch with how that how this that principle kind of connected with them and then inviting you into a new posture you know so like when 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 i do blessed those who mourn we'll we'll push we'll like let make this posture of pushing away from what's hard mm-hmm. and then the invitation of the beatitude is to instead of running from pain to sit with it and mm-hmm. ancient people knew how to do this they tore their clothes they poured ashes on their head they sat down in the dirt and when we do this in the lab we'll actually have people get down on the floor mm-hmm. and hold their head in their hands and then I'll ask a question like what is it in our when you look at our world what breaks your heart what makes you feel sad Mm. or and then a second question how about closer to home where are you feeling disappointment pain discomfort and sadness in your own life and then we talk about it and for a lot of people, that's a new step to be honest and vulnerable about those places of distorted thought. Yes. And, um, and Which, I think getting honest about it is the doorway to going, how could we learn to see in a new way?
0: And I what, is, like what is
1: God inviting us into?
0: I like that because it's always the invitational way the way of God, it's all, we're always being invited into something. Um, And what, what is that? And Mm -hmm. um, so I love that you start out with a question that, you know, is kind of outside of us a little broader that we might be Mm -hmm. able to engage with. Yeah, And and we're brought in something a little bit more personal. (laughs) So good. So smart. Uh, But I also want to, I want to give an observation, a personal observation about the very first um, beatitude, you know, and that you call the way of trust, you know, living with open hands. And I just realized how many times in spiritual direction, and, and almost with anyone, we end up talking about, wow, it always seems to come back to opening our hands and trusting God. It's like, everything yeah. seems to come back to that. Right. I love that that's the very first one. And I don't think I put those two together until now. I, I love that.
1: And there's even, you know, one, one possibility is that the Beatitudes chart a progressive journey of the spiritual life. So first you need to learn to trust that this is a safe universe to live in, that nothing could separate you from divine love. Mm. Then you need to join with God and mourn what's, what's broken in the world and in yourself. Yep. Then you need to affirm your inherent dignity and worth, blessed are the meek. Mm. Then you need to join with God in recognizing injustice and using your power for good. Mm. Then, then you need to learn to forgive yourself and others, You know, blessed are the merciful. And, um, and it, yeah, it kind of goes like that. And when we take people through the labs, we notice that we, um, and i once we get up into Beatitudes, uh, you know, eight, nine, seven, eight, nine, I'll say these are PhD level because uh-huh. Jesus is inviting us to say, blessed are those who are persecuted for justice, like to, res- how do we respond when we're mistreated and misrepresented you know, in a new way, and it sort of builds on you. To do that, you have to trust that God cares for you. You have to know your dignity and worth.
0: I also love that you said seven, eight, nine are are uh, kind of PhD beatitudes because I look at number seven, the way of peacemaking, and I think, oh wow, I used to think that that I I knew what that was about, and but we live in A day and age of such divisions that I think that this does maybe take, this is PhD level stuff. Uh, And you'd kind of talk, talk about that in the book as well. It's, it's, it is hard stuff.
1: Yeah, we, I think our first instinct is to think in terms of us and them, my family, my country, my faith tradition, my political party, my sports team, and then yours or everybody else's, right? And there's there's probably like a primal psychological need for feeling like I'm not alone, so I I, I identify myself with a particular mm-hmm. group, and then think of everyone else as outside of
0: that. Mm-hmm.
1: But it's that's less than reality, and you know I don't. We don't even need to go into what that kind of us and them mentality does in our relationships and is doing in our nation. So the deeper reality is that we're all sons and daughters of one divine parent. There is no us in them. Mm. What we have in common is much greater than what Mm. might divide us. And though there are distinctions or differences, Mm. the gospel invites us to reach past to connect. And we get real practical with this in the lab. Like, we ask, we'll ask, uh, and in the book, I do too. Who, who do you put on the other side of us and them?
0: Uh-huh.
1: And um, and then, what would it look like to reach out? And a couple practices. One would be sometimes the person on the other side is somebody we're not in reconciled relationship with, mm-hmm. someone we've disappointed and we haven't apologized to. Uh, but but beyond that. Um, you know, learning to listen and be curious across those differences. We had, we had a, a couple of folks that I was in a breakout group with in a lab. One of them was um, very adamant because of pre-existing health conditions about ge- people getting vaccinated. And the other person in our little breakout group was a very adamant anti-vaxxer. <laughs> and for their practice that week, they scheduled another time to talk for an hour and be curious and try to listen instead of pushing their own agenda. And I just thought was a beautiful, beautiful, tiny step, you know, in moving into that.
0: Well, and I, and, and so Mark, even as you shared that story, I felt myself kind of like tense up, like what's going to, what happened in this story, you know, and then to kind of relax when I heard that they decided to schedule another time to get together, to to be curious, to try and hear the other person, to have a conversation and not just, you know, hur- what we tend to do, hurl yeah. back and forth our own viewpoint without hearing or, or listening or caring.
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, I'm going to put s- uh, some of this is human nature, but I think it's reinforced by our media culture that wants to paint everyone pull, pull, pull towards the extremes. Mm. And so a lot of times when we enter those conversations, we're not just having a conversation with the person across the table, we're, we're, we have a picture of what we think they think based on the media that we're exposed to as well. So we're, we're, we're shouting back to the television. Just, or the, that's
0: exactly what or, I'm thinking. I'm picturing a face <laughs> right now. Like, a, yeah. wow. You know, what a, but what a helpful um, illustration. I mean, just hearing you say that and, and that's, and that's it. It's like what it, the other piece of this, uh, as I read through the ninefold path of Jesus that you've written, I, I think, um, what do we as followers of jesus have to say in this culture and climate that is that makes a difference do do we have things to say that make a difference and i'm you know I'm, and of course yes we have jesus okay but how do how do we communicate um, in a way that makes a difference Um, to those around us. And that's what, that's what you're doing. That's what this is about.
1: And and I think it gives us having the vocabulary of the Beatitudes that we can, that we can share helps us support each other and remind each other of the Jesus way. So I was, I got to uh, teach on this in East Africa and I was with a team and, you know, when you're traveling and you're not at home. And at the time I was sleeping in a room with eight or nine other men, in, you know, and you weren't we're, in not, the Ritz? <laughs> we're not getting our meals at the right time. And we're going yes. over bumpy roads for t- two hours at a time to get out to villages. And, and um, so your things come up, you know, someone on the team is like, well, that other organization that works in this area isn't doing good work and we do better work. And I, uh, somebody else on the team turned to him and said, brother, you know, think back to the Beatitudes. We, our first tendency is to compare who's greater than and who's less than. You don't have to be insecure about that. You're made in God's image. You have inherent dignity and worth. The work you're doing is good. And maybe the work that they do is good. And you don't have to make those kind of comparisons anymore, you know? Um, uh, And so that's just one example of like, we, this came up a few times or someone who get judgmental and we actually, you know, there's a physical posture of a heart and we look at the look through the heart at one another. And it's like, let's not judge and, you know, make the shape of the heart with the hands or a mind. Let's look, uh, let's suspend judgment and look through eyes of compassion instead.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. I'm just taking in the things that you're saying and the, the beautiful illustrations and the way that we can, think and live and move through through life uh, but it's also making me think uh, about a couple of other things. One, you' I so appreciate you and your um, personal nature of writing. I mean you you give some great personal illustrations about these um, specific uh, the ninefold path of Jesus and and I wondered what are what are which paths here, which of these Beatitudes really just kind of hit you? You know, it depends on our personalities. I love, yeah. I will say, I love right. it, And you have an appendix about the Enneagram. I'm an Enneagram teacher. And so that really, I loved yeah. that. And we can talk about that in a minute, maybe. But But you really get personal. And yeah, depending on who we are, some of these Beatitudes hit us harder than others, if you will.
1: Yeah. And I think that's how, like, that's how maybe how the spiritual journey works is based on our personality and maybe our life experiences. We find some parts of reality easier to stay in closer contact with. And then there's other areas of our lives or our vulnerabilities where we find it a lot harder to move towards kingdom reality. And, um, so whenever we finish up a a lab series, we'll say, which did, which which, which came most naturally to you, yes. to embracing okay. the Jesus way? And where did you f- have those places of resistance? So for me, for example, I find it, um, I identify as an Enneagram 4, living in pathos and melancholy and sadness mm. is not hard for me.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: and so mourning's not too hard.
0: Okay.
1: Um, it's a natural s- strength. But what is hard is when I face resistance, you know, blessed are those who are persecuted for justice. When people say bad things about me, Mm -hmm. when I'm not treated the way that I want to be treated, it paralyzes me. And so I feel like that's a beatitude that says to me, Mark, when you you encounter those things, Jesus encountered the same things Mm -hmm. and you could react and fight and resist or you could learn to surrender the outcomes and let God's justice take care of things. And um, that, uh, that if you act with nonviolence and keep going and doing good, you're casting your vote for, against evil and for good. And in the end, love will finally win. So buck up, have some endurance and resiliency.
0: (laughs) I love it. Uh, Well, and, and I think people can figure out what some of the, what, which of the pathways might be a little bit harder for them just by looking at the questions that you pose you know, uh, the, the more general question about the world around, and then the more specific question about you specifically, you know, it's not dissimilar from the Enneagram. It's like when you read the, the unhealthy side of, of the types, when you wince, you kind of know, you found probably your type. And, and I think, uh, it's kind of the same, you know, when you, when you kind of hear the question that's very specific personally, and you sort of wince, it's like, okay, this is one that maybe I need to lean into a little bit more. Um, that yeah. might be a little harder for me.
1: One of the first times I taught on this publicly, um, a, a guy came up to me afterwards, and he said, uh, do, you, do you know about the Enneagram? And I said, well, yes, I do. And um, he said, "I'm I'm getting a graduate degree in somatic studies. And he said, when you asked us to open our hands in a posture of receiving and vulnerability, I physically resisted. And he said, I'm an Enneagram eight. I'm all about control. Yep. And so it's hard. It was, it was hard for me to put my body in that posture. So he caught onto it, even though I didn't, I hadn't even named it yet.
0: That's so interesting. I love that. And, and you, what I love about it. So in the back, um, there's more than one appendix, but the, the third appendix is the one where you talk through the Enneagram types. And what I like about it is you give their first instinct and then, you know, the key beatitude invitation and then stress and growth points, um, which points to their the type they move to in stress and in health and the wings. I mean, you cover it all. And I, I love that. Um, it's just another, it, it's another handle for, for this material that I think is really, really helpful. Um, I had no idea though. You'd been teaching this, uh, around the world for the last five years. I can see how wonderful this would be to go through with a group. I'll <sighs> go
1: through the postures and I'll go, where am I feeling close-handed today? I'm uh. Anxious. Okay. How is God inviting me to open my hands? Okay. Are there any things I'm avoiding facing because they're too painful?
0: Uh,
1: how how God okay. might God be inviting me into that? Or uh, you know, I'm I think we share a wing. And so I yes, I spend so I spend so much time comparing myself to other people. <laughs> you know, I and um how am I living in greater than and less than or competition and comparison? And how might God be inviting me to embrace my yes. inherent dignity and worth?
0: Oh today? yeah. That's
1: um, so it's a it's a nice heart reset.
0: So you know? good. Um there oh there was a question that just came into my mind and immediately like flew right out of it that I wanted to add. Oh, I know. So one of the things as I'm hearing you and really, I, I honestly, I don't think there's anything you've said today that hasn't deeply resonated with me. And and so it brings me back to to this. I, and maybe it's because I, I I do a lead Alexio Divina group at my church and and we've spent a lot of time, the gospels. And and it dawned on me that you know we're talking about the beatitudes here, and this is really the message that Jesus gave. I mean, this is a preeminent message of the kingdom of God, right? And mm-hmm. Jesus was giving this message pro- more than once in his travels, mm-hmm. wouldn't yeah. you say? Uh, of all of all of Jesus' teaching, it, you know, is this is this the one that we really need to hold on to, hang on to? more than any other.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I see it like this in, in the Beatitudes, Jesus is naming these nine areas of life. His message impacts. He teaches more on it in the Sermon on the Mount. And then throughout the gospels, he lives out those
0: nine okay. paths. Okay. Thank you. That's
1: and And so in the book, I try and make give an example for each of the Beatitudes about how how Jesus lived in that reality and invited his followers to uh, to do
0: the same same That's thing. That's it. That's it. That's what you do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. So-, so it's
1: so it's a good so so um you know there's hundred and ten verses in the Sermon on the Mount. It's a lot to remember. And I think our brains are looking for categories. Like, and, and so, so I just am using the Beatitudes for, to remember, all right, you know, that's why we call it the ninefold path. There's, there's nine pivots I'm invited to make in yeah. my life, which, which one is most current for me, or am I struggling the most with to deepen my experience with right now?
0: And I think, and I, so I think why I like it is I can grab onto, you know, these the ninefold path, these, these postures to live into and memorize them a whole lot easier than my memorizing of the beatitudes as a little girl. It's like, this makes more sense to me and my Western sensibilities and the way to say Mm -hmm. it, you've translated it for us to put it into practice. Uh, I think so much better or more helpful than I've ever read about it before. Um, what what do you hope people take away? Yeah, uh, from the from the book. I, and I know you've had the broader experience of of doing yeah. these labs with people. I
1: think one one thought is I like to think that the book presents what I would call the psychology of the kingdom of God. Uh-huh. Like we look at the Sermon on the Mount and we go, Jesus is pointing us towards a really radical life. Well, what has to take place inside of us? Mm. In order for us to easily and freely live out those those countercultural teachings of the Sermon on the Mount, and so I think the Beatitudes help us with that. What I really hope the the, the reader would do is, um, first of all, I don't think there's a lot of new ideas. I think there's a lot of good ideas <laughs> that are everywhere. Yeah, but but w- what we're challenged with at this point in the twenty first century is to actually take on the practices that will live in that wisdom. And so the trajectory of all of my work and particularly this one is um, that each, each chapter has something, a self-awareness exercise, like a journal exercise, and then a daily habit or or practice that you could try and then some new risk Uh, threshold experience to, to act on. And I really think that's how we grow and change is to increase our self-awareness and our God awareness. Yes. Take on new habits and, and um, risk new experiences. We're not going to change by just hearing great content. We've got to respond. So my best hope is that people would um, go through the book not al- not just alone, but right. with one or two or five other people yep. and actually do the practices that are suggested. Because I think in the doing of them is where the Holy Spirit can bring the transformation in our lives.
0: Well said. Well, what it's been fun to connect with you again, especially around this topic. Uh, Mark Scandrett, author of The Ninefold Path of Jesus, Hidden Wisdom of the Beatitudes. All the information will be in the show notes. If you missed anything, um, you can just go check it out there. Mark, thank you so much for being with us today. Appreciate it.
1: Great to be with you, Anita. All the best.
0: Thank you. And to everyone else, as always, I say, keep the conversation going.